back off a short road trip about 24,000 miles. And um, I was back in the Philippines again. And um, I was thinking about Paul the Apostle. He said, one writing he wrote, he said, I come not one whit behind the very chiefest of apostles. And as time went on, he said, in another place, he said, I am the least of all saints. And just before he died, he wrote and he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into, into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And the longer I live for God, the more I learn about myself and the less I think of me and the more I think of him. And if we're ever going to accomplish anything for God, we got to realize it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about our petty little problems and differences. It's about him. And just to leave a good report, uh, we did a conference up in Bacolod uh, some time ago uh, and went past there to Escalante City. And uh, they had a baptismal service. I think they baptized 19 that, that afternoon. But one of the men that was baptized was a, a Trinitarian preacher. And he told me when I was going to baptize him, of course, that's how they do it over there. They request you to do the baptizing. So he said, I, I have been a Trinitarian preacher for 37 years. And he said, last night I was in that service. And he said, when you preached, God gave me the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. The odd thing about it was I never mentioned anything about the oneness of God. But God was in the house to reveal himself. It wouldn't matter, Brother Riggin, if you preached on tithe over there. They'd get the revelation. And, and they get the Holy Ghost so easy, if you got up and sang, Mary had a little lamb and read the 23rd Psalm, they'd get it everywhere over there. And so I told God some time ago, four or five years ago, if people here in North America don't want it, I'll take it overseas. And I just, we just finished the ninth trip. It was a great success. I think we had 16, 1,700 in that conference. And... Um, they had about 200 preachers there. And God's doing great things. Don't, don't be discouraged. Be not weary and well-doing, for you're going to reap if you faint not. Brother Reagan, so good to see you again. Good to see Brother Smith. And you know you can always tell good men because you always see them in the right places. I met Brother Smith some time ago at Brother McKillop's meeting. And my, 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 um, just an honor to be in church with these good men, these good saints of God. May the Lord bless you tonight. Thank you, Brother Riggin. Amen. Amen. And we are indeed so very, very glad to have Elder and Sister Smith with us. Amen. I have been looking forward to these nights of service, and I think you've picked up on that as I've announced the services. I think you have been able to tell how excited I have been that we have finally been able to work out a schedule for them to come and be with us. We've known at the Smiths for a number of years, uh, haven't known them well, but we've known them, and we've heard so many wonderful things about them. I think that I first met them through Brother Robert Davis. I think he was the one who first introduced us, and um, we just, I, I, I fell in love with their spirit. I, I, I just... I just know in my heart these are good folks, and, uh, and they love God, and they love the work of God, and uh, we appreciate them so very much. I want you to stand tonight in honor 
of the man of God, Elder Smith, we count it a privilege to turn this pulpit to you. And I want you to take your liberty. I want you just to tell us whatever God has put on your heart. If you folks want to sing, whatever you want to do, you just obey the Holy Ghost. I want you to just act like you're at home tonight. Amen. That's what we want you to do. Everyone say, Elder Smith, preach to me. Would you say that? Elder Smith, preach to me. Thank you, Pastor, and praise the Lord, everybody. A wonderful privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So happy to be with Pastor and Sister Riggin and uh, all of the church family that is gathered in. Uh, Brother Riggin doesn't have to make any apologies to me. I pastored for uh, nearly 40 years. And I know just what it's like when you have special services, conferences, and meetings. It seems like that there are always people that are away. But we're here. You're here. The Lord is here. And I believe that we've come together to meet with the Lord. Brother Howard and I kind of have a little joke between us because... I'll use the terminology, I'm just on my way to a meeting. And uh, he thinks of that, I guess, as some type of just sitting down with a brother and talking. And I'm talking about a meeting like this where we come together to meet with the Lord and he comes to meet with us. That makes it a meeting. And I'm happy to be in this meeting tonight and I'm believing that from uh, this point throughout this weekend that the Lord will speak to us and that it will be a time of challenge not only for you but for me for all of us that have come into this house to reach to the Lord you may be seated and I do want to thank Pastor Riggin for the invitation to come and uh, to be with him and this church family to uh, spend some time this weekend. I'm believing that the Lord will do wonderful things and I'm it's happy to see Brother Mullins again and others that are here. You're involved in ministry in any way. Just happy to be able to be together with you. I do believe with everything there is within me that God has big plans for this hour and time that we're living in. I believe that God has brought you and me to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't believe we've got time to waste. I don't think that we ought to let a day pass us by that we do not really press our way in to touch the Lord and to receive clear insight and direction from Him. Amen. I'm very passionate about the work of God. This is not something that is just uh, put on to me. This is a way of life. I get up in the morning with this work of God on my mind. I live throughout the day with the work of God on my mind. I go to bed at night with the work of God on my mind. I'm not looking for an easy way or uh, an easy path. I just want to do God's work. I want to be open and available to him to 
do whatever he wants me to do. And so, you know, coming into this apostolic way when I was just a boy, in fact, before I was ever born, my mother and dad had come into this apostolic truth. And uh, I was raised in an old-fashioned Pentecostal church, and I'm so glad I was. I didn't have to battle my way through a lot of tradition or false doctrine or struggling with a lot of things that some people have to get beyond, but my parents raised me in the church. And thank God for the Holy Ghost power that kept me in the church. Amen. I can't tell you that temptation didn't come because temptation is common to all men. But, oh, thank God, in the temptation, I found the answer. I found the answer in the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Ghost to be victorious and to be an overcomer. And uh, my wife and I have been married now for nearly 43 years. God blessed us with four wonderful children, all grown and married, and now we have 10 grandchildren. I'm just telling you a little bit so you're not sitting there scratching your head tonight and wondering, well, who is he? Well, uh, I pastored for more than 38 years in Brewer, Maine, and of course, during that time was very involved in missionary evangelism, even while I was a pastor as well as leading our church into uh, doing the work of the Lord around the world. In fact, I never went to one, uh, on one missions endeavor by myself. Our church family at home always went with me, and they accompanied me in prayer. They accompanied me in giving. And uh, when I came home, they were anxious to hear the reports of what had happened and what was going on because uh, our church became a very missions-focused assembly. And I have to tell you that the Lord blessed that church in a phenomenal way because of being so connected and so involved in doing the work of God not only at home, but abroad. And uh, so after more than, I guess, about 30 years of, of uh, trying to balance my pastoral ministry with overseas evangelism, I felt like that uh, I needed to, to make a transition. Uh, you know, there aren't a whole lot of people standing in line Brother Mullen and Brother Riggin, there aren't a whole lot of people standing in line to go overseas and uh, face whatever you got to face. And I'll tell you, there are some things to face. There are some challenges and there are some uh, inconveniences. And uh, you have to rough it a whole lot at times. In fact, uh, Sister Smith, God bless her, she's a trooper. She stood by my side and has traveled with me to the mission field for years. And, uh, but I do remember last year we arrived at one place out in the countryside of Ethiopia. We were going to be staying there for three nights. 
And when we, I don't say this to in any way put her on the spot, but just to tell you, there are some challenges. And uh, we walked into the place that was provided for our accommodations, and she looked at me and she said, Oh, David. And she sat down on the bed and she started to cry. And she said, I, I don't know if I can do it. I'm almost 65 years of age. And she said, I don't know if I can do it. And I said, oh, honey, it's not near as bad as it seems. She said, it's bad. I said, but it's really not as bad as you think it is. It's going to be all right. It's the best place in the whole area. Trust me. I know it's the best place around. And so, you know, we tore the room upside down. We took the mattress off the beds. I sprayed for bed bugs. I, I did everything humanly because the last time... Well, that I stayed there, I was eaten up with about 40 bites uh, of bed bugs, and uh, it wasn't a pleasant experience. But anyway, we did everything that we could to make it comfortable, and then we went to eat our meal at uh, a home where that Brother Solomon had arranged for people to cook for us that would properly know how to prepare the food for Americans and so forth. And when we got back to the room, we were both tired enough to go to bed and go to sleep. And we stayed there for three days. And by the time we were finished, she said, you know, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, that's true. And uh, Sister Smith is rather uh, unique. You know, she, she misses her children and her grandchildren when we are leaving the country. So she's crying when we're leaving. And then before we leave, wherever we've been ministering overseas, she's crying before we come home because she's missing all those people that she's got to leave behind there. So uh, anyway, it's just great to be involved in doing the work of the Lord. We, uh, we did transition out of the pastoral role two years ago this week. And... Uh, felt like that it would be the will of the Lord that we would just uh, focus much more on overseas evangelism, which we have endeavored to do. In fact, in the last uh, nine months, I've been on 10 separate uh, missions and uh, uh, traveled, I suppose, in that amount of time somewhere as close to 130, 140,000 miles. I don't say that to, to boast, but to tell you we're busy. We're staying with it. And when we're not on the mission field, we're all over this country trying to do the work of the Lord and excited to be busy doing the work that the Lord has called us to do. My purpose for transitioning when I did was I knew something would have to shift gears. Either I was going to have to, to uh, uh, be more involved at home with that church growing as it was, or I needed to be more involved in the missionary work that I was doing. And so uh, in the best interest of everybody involved, I felt that this was the transition to make. 
And what we didn't see in the transition is that we would be traveling as much in the states as we are when that we're not on the mission field. But we're happy to be doing it and happy to be here. I'd like for Sister Smith to greet you tonight and maybe she'd sing a song and that would help me get ready to preach just a little bit. She's been my my helpmate now all these years and uh, helped me in doing the work of the Lord in ministry and praying woman that loves souls and loves to do the work of the Lord. I wanted to greet you. Praise the Lord, everyone. What a privilege and an honor to live for Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this heart of mine but praise for the Lord. I want the Lord to know that this world is not my home. I don't want to get satisfied with the things of this world and my materialism, but I want to serve him with all my heart and give him the best that I have. Praise the Lord.
that's exactly how I feel about it tonight. May run into situations in life that don't always go the way we want it to go. But we've got everything when we've got the Lord. We may have troubles and trials like sometimes people in the world have troubles and trials. But we've got everything because we've got Jesus. We know where the answer is. We know where to turn. We know who to look to. Thank God for everything he provides to his people. Amen. What a privilege it is to look to the word of the Lord tonight. I'm uh, wanting to follow after the Lord for this meeting throughout this weekend. Just before I get into the message, I want to thank Brother and Sister Riggin for the uh, very comfortable accommodations and the uh, wonderful basket of goodies, which I haven't been able to really get into yet, but I'm sure I will find uh, some real goodies there by the looks, amen, and the good fellowship that we enjoyed with Pastor Riggin a little earlier today. Looking forward to a great weekend. In the year 1927, the United States Navy lost its submarine, the USS S-4, in a collision with the Coast Guard cutter USS Paulding. The first divers to reach the stranded submarine on the ocean floor exchanged signals with the crew trapped inside. We're told that stormy seas caused repeated delays and subsequently divers were not able to make an essential hose connection until it was too late to rescue the men. However, the very last communication that came from sailors trapped inside was an urgent message tapped out in Morse code on the hull of the sunken submarine. They simply wanted to know, is there any hope? Is there any hope? After reading or hearing about our own daily news, perhaps we may find ourselves asking the very same question today. Furthermore, in addition to frustration relative to what's happening on the world scene, we're faced with concerns also about marriage, concerns about finances, concerns about children, job security, and other relationships that often leave people feeling rather hopeless, to say the least. It's estimated that humans can live approximately 40 days without food. We can live four days or so without 
water or other liquids. And I'm told that we can survive for about eight minutes without breathing air. However, it is absolutely impossible for anyone at all to live without hope. It is impossible to live without hope. Thus, what people really need to be assured of in this hour is that indeed there is hope for today as well as for the future. Genuine hope upon which everyday life can be built. Truthfully, all of us in the house this evening are needy individuals. However, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are anchored to the creator of heaven and earth, we need not be hopeless. I said we need not be hopeless in this present world nor in the life to come. In fact, every born-again, Bible-believing, blood-washed, victorious living child of God has every reason to be filled with blessed hope. Hallelujah. Thank God. And with that said, I want to preach tonight about hope. A message that is repeatedly projected throughout the inspired Word of God. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul placed tremendous emphasis upon hope. And he did so over and over again as he spoke about the hope of Israel, the hope of the dead. He talked about hope of the promise, hope of the gospel, the hope of salvation, hope of the glory of God, the hope of his calling and the hope of eternal life. In other New Testament passages, we read about good hope, better hope, living hope. And as I take my text this evening from Paul's epistle to Titus, we'll read about blessed hope. Beginning at the 11th verse of the book of Titus, chapter 2. I want to read just a few verses for my text. If you would stand with me, please. Titus, chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, Paul said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's all mankind teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Notice again, verse 13, Paul said, we're looking for that blessed hope. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the gathering of your people in this sanctuary tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Ghost among us. I pray that you would quicken and anoint our minds and our hearts. Help us tonight to reach out to grasp the Word of God. May there be challenge in every soul tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. In the 15th chapter of Romans and verse Number 13, we read about the God of hope. In the 8th chapter of the same book of Romans, verse 24, Paul declares we are saved by hope. And since hope finds expression through endurance, it is thus with blessed hope that we await the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his glorious church. For David Smith, it's now been more than 60 years that I've heard about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh, thank God. Thank God for the endurance to weather every storm, to face every challenge, to come through every temptation, and to keep my eyes looking in heaven's direction because I'm looking for that blessed hope. According to the sixth chapter of Hebrews, verses 18 and 19, hope is an anchor of the soul that keeps us steadfast midst the storms of life. In the words of John the Beloved, hope is a purifying agent. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, he said, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as God is pure. Furthermore, the expression fullness of hope that is used in the 6th chapter of Hebrews and the 11th verse speaks of the far-reaching scope of such hope in reference to complete redemption for the eternal soul. Actually, hope is desire. Desire that is accompanied by the expectation of fulfillment. And it has to do with that which is unseen at the present moment. To be most frank, the day in which we live is an evil hour filled with corruption both in the natural and a spiritual sense of the word. As a matter of fact, according to numerous prophecies, 
that are recorded on the pages of holy writ. Human affairs and world events will continue to deteriorate, becoming worse and worse until that long-awaited day of release finally dawns. Even so, sin abounds on every hand, and men stop.